Morning Crypto. Welcome to Bitboy Crypto, the people's channel, home of the Bit Squad, the largest and greatest crypto community in all the interwebs. Do you know why they call it a black swan event? They literally caused everything. They're behind Terra Luna, which ultimately is behind Three Arrows Capital, which ultimately is behind Voyager, which is behind Celsius, which is behind Vault. This is what happened. They did this. But I definitely think XRP is going to be number one performer of the top coins of the next bull run. People have made fun. People have made fun of XRP for a long time. They made fun of the Ripple community for a long time. The day is coming when we all get to sit and laugh at everybody else. Good morning, Warriors. Hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from the top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several members of our 3T family this morning. We got the Italian stallion, Mr. Johnny Crypto Gonzo, also known as Super G, is in the building, and a man who needs no introduction, the largest crypto influencer on all the interwebs, doing podcasts with Alex Jones, Patrick Bet David, and now joining Good Morning Crypto, Ben Armstrong is in the building, ladies and gentlemen. So I am very excited for today's episode. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we will be discussing how Sam Bankman Fried was arrested by United States officials earlier this week as new evidence re- is revealed around the $8 billion in forgotten money. We ask our special guest what's next for this modern day Madoff. Algorand has been chosen by Italy, becoming the first European nation to leverage blockchain for insurance. As the CFTC is muddying the waters around crypto regulation, now calling Tether and Ethereum digital commodities. One billionaire investor is predicting 2023 will be a bad year for stocks and a good year for crypto. And the Rippleverse SEC is seemingly coming to a close, causing a possible catastrophe for the crypto industry. We break down the details showing our listeners why this bombshell case could set precedent for the entire digital landscape. Our show was available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So, Johnny Crypto, we're going to do these introductions quickly, my friend. Thanks for being here and how are you feeling? I'm feeling great. Good morning to you, Gonzo, Abs, and to Ben and all the Warrior Maniacs out there. Good morning. Love you guys. Appreciate you guys for showing up every day. I am super excited as we got the man, the myth, the legend who has been leading the charge for crypto for the past, oh man, it's just been brutal watching Ben doing what he's doing, and we're happy to have you here. Ben, can't wait to hop into it and uh, see see how things are going and how you're doing there, buddy. Gonzo, they're saying all you need is some glasses, and you're looking like Clark Kent, <laughs> so we're getting this show started right this morning. How you feeling, my friend? Thanks for being here. I'm feeling good, man. Good morning. Yeah, I had to, I had to shave for an event, so it's always funny when I do that because I always look younger. But yeah, man, just really excited. I didn't get to be on the show last time with Ben, and uh, been part of the Bit Squad since the beginning. It kind of started my journey that and Coach JV. So just super excited to get it going. Ben, super excited for today's episode. And there's a lot on my mind. But the first thing I want to get started off with is Sam Bankman-Fried was arrested yesterday. And you've been calling this out since early October. We had some really interesting news be revealed as emails surfaced of uh, Sam Bankman-Fried claiming he knew Almeida was insolvent as early as September. I'm sure you've got more details on that. But before we dive into it, how you doing? And thank you for being here, Ben. Yeah, doing great, man. Um, glad to be here. And, uh, you know, anytime we get to talk crypto, it's good. But, uh, man, I tell you what, watching the intro that you guys play got me fired up because, you know, I- I've been talking about this forever. 
And, you know, that clip, nobody was saying they caused Terra Luna. No one was saying that until last week, except for me. Uh, we told people that a month ago or maybe longer, maybe six weeks ago, that they were ultimately behind everything. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it, give me pre-fired pre up because we were telling our audience that and, and it turned out to be absolutely correct. We knew it was correct when we said it. And uh, finally, now everybody else is jumping on board. And, um, you know, uh, Sam's arrested in the Bahamas. Uh, I don't know. I may be going to the Bahamas this weekend. Maybe I'm going to stop by and see if I can see him in jail. That'd be pretty exciting. Before we dive into all that news, Johnny Crypto, we're going to get this show started the same way we always do by showing you our Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That's at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. You get access to every single member of our team. Go smash that follow button. We love talking to you. The Bitcoin Fear and Greed Index is still sitting in moderate fear this morning, up three basis points out of 30, Johnny Crypto. I'm not going to make you address it, though, because in reality, nothing worth addressing. When we look at the total coin market cap, we got $870 billion in total market cap this morning. Bitcoin is 38% dominance. Ethereum is 19%. Bitcoin is sitting back above 18000 at $18,076 this morning. Ethereum is 1300 XRP is $0.39. Cents. And the only other one I feel like is worth uh, mentioning, Quant Network this morning. But BitBoy, I want to go right back to you. And let's start off with some interesting news around the XRP lawsuit. Because earlier this week, we had Charles Hoskinson make some bold, bold statements that on December 15th, he believed we could see a summary judgment hearing or or something along those lines where we get a resolution in the XRP lawsuit. I'd love to hear what you're hearing behind the scenes. Is there any information you can share with us that the general public may not know yet? Um, Look, I think Charles, he just heard something and he said it was a rumor. He said it was a rumor. He said the rumor is he didn't, he wasn't very bold one way or the other. He just said, well, this is what I'm hearing. The interesting thing I thought was he said, either way, it's a disaster. It could be a disaster for crypto, which that's weird. I don't know why he would say that. Uh, if it comes back, regulated you know it's not a, or if it comes back not a security and that's part of the settlement then that's good that sets precedent for the rest of the space you know obviously um i mean if you look at what xrp is today compared to what xrp was during the token sale i mean it's very obvious it's not a security um at this point the, the questions are around the the sale and so that that would not be a bad thing i don't know why that would be bad a, a lot of people in crypto might be bitter if xrp is technically the only coin that is now regulated and, and has no, you know, potential problems coming in the future, that would be a problem for a lot of other coins. Uh, they wouldn't like it. Uh, but I, I, look, ultimately, I wonder if this rumor that he was hearing was just based off of kind of some normal court proceedings that are supposed to be taking place uh, this week. Maybe that's where he heard it from. Um, I, look, when there's a settlement, let me tell you who the last person to know is going to be. Charles Hoskinson. <laughs> like, Charles Hoskinson is not going to know the, the inside of that because, he doesn't talk to any of the XRP people. I actually talk to people that work at Ripple. Um, so if there was something coming, then I would probably know it before Charles, I would think. So just the fact that he had that rumor, knowing how disconnected he is from the XRP community, and also, I mean, how much, you know, I mean, there's drama between Charles and them. Obviously, people know that. Um, it, it's calmed down, which has been good. But of course, now it, he's flared himself right back up in the attention uh, of the XRP army. But ultimately, guys, this thing's not ending, in my opinion, until quarter two of next year, probably, probably right on the line between quarter two and quarter three it, over the summer, early summer is what I'm, uh, what I'm looking for. It, it just, is a bit, it's a big process. And every time, you know, <clears throat> look, I thought this thing was going to be over, over a year ago, you know, right. But it's one of these things that the longer you get into it, the more you realize, you know, how much further it really is away, you know, and these things are processes. And every time you think you have a date, like, Oh, it should be over by this date. Then there's more appeals. And you know, it, it's just a, it's a long process. So I, and look, it's not beneficial for XRP to settle right now. It's not beneficial for, for the price no. or for Ripple. 
Cause and that's what, what I wanted to ask you about, Ben. So one of the things that we've been discussing behind the scenes is it could be more beneficial if this lawsuit's dragged out until late 2023 because mm-hmm. overall the market could be getting some bullish momentum. I'd love for you to talk about that. Yeah, you hit it head on. I mean, that's it. You know, like the longer this goes on, the better you don't want this case ending in the middle of a bear market. You, you also don't want it ending in the middle of a bull market. I mean, you want this ending in, you know, thick square right in the middle in between uh, the accumulation and moving up. And that should be the end of next year. So you don't want anything to take away that momentum. Right now, if XRP, if the case ended today, I know there's some, you know, the most ardent XRP supporters would, would disagree with this. Not they're wrong, period. Uh, if it ends today, the price does not go to the moon, guys. <laughs> right? You, you'll get a little bit of a bump for sure. Maybe it'll 2x. Maybe, maybe 3x. Maybe. Maybe. But 3x might be pie in the sky. And what's going to happen? The market's going to chop the legs out from under it and it's going to lose all the momentum. Now, true, the liquidity will be there and it'll be added back to exchanges. And as that happens, it'll have a little pump, little pump, little pump. Um, but at the end of the day, what you want is you don't want it to have those legs chopped out from under it. You want basically people to be able to get the liquidity from being blisted again. And also the momentum of the market in general is carrying it forward. I mean, you know, a, a rising rising tide lifts all boats, you know, and that's what a bull run is. Uh, you know, unfortunately for XRP during the last bull run, you know, they had, you know, a, a giant squid trying to pull it back underwater <laughs> during the bull run. Everything was rising. So. Yeah, you know, Ben, I totally agree with you. And I've been saying the same thing. Everybody's like, oh, we're going to three dollars. We're going to ten dollars. I actually ran a poll. Sixty five percent of people think we're going somewhere between three and twelve dollars. And the reality is if we get to 70 cents, we're lucky. That's where we yeah. were before the lawsuit came. And there was no bull market at that time in 2020. And I would be surprised if we even got much higher than that. Um, I do mm-hmm. think the one thing is, as you did say, I agree with you. I think you know, the rest of the world will know before Charles too, because you watch the price chart. You'll probably see something happening in price, price action before we hear anything. I mean, you might hear it because you got contacts, but for the rest of us who don't, you know, it's going to be watch the price action. You'll see something there. The other thing I think we want to see in the XRP case is we don't want them to win. We rather prefer a settlement because a settlement means the SEC is done. They ain't coming back. If we get a win, you know, then it goes to the second appeals court and then the Supreme Court. And so this thing could drag on forever. So I would rather see a settlement personally. But either way, I think it'll be good for the industry to just get the goddamn thing over so we get some clarity around it. We can move forward. Um, but just just wondering your thoughts there, whether you prefer a win or a settlement. All I do is win. So <laughs> winning, I get tired of winning, to be honest with you. Uh, but in all seriousness, uh, like, look, I, I understand that point. I, I think that is that's a nightmare scenario to, to where they win and gets appealed. But I, I ultimately think that uh, by the end of next month, uh, Gary Gensler has gone. And I, I think that when Gary Gensler is gone, um, this changes depending upon who becomes the head of the SEC. It can go one of two directions. It can go a bad direction and you get somebody that's worse than Gary Gensler, or it could go a better direction. You have someone who is more open, uh, who's not sold out to the banks. Like that's what we need. We need someone who's not a bank sellout like Gary Gensler. And so, <clears throat> you know, I, I don't think they're going to push it much further uh, if, if Ripple wins outright. But I, I do think that probably settlement is... You know, I go back and forth because Brad Rodinghouse doesn't want to settle. He wants to win. But I also think he recognizes that situation as well. And, you know, I, I've already seen positioning. There's already been talks of, of appeals and stuff like that. So, um, you know, probably best. Now, look, if they win, I mean, technically, the SEC can't come after them again e- either. But there's an appeals process. So you're, you're correct. That would be a, a nightmare scenario. So, man, man. 
That, that's terrible. Sometimes when you win, you, you lose. Sometimes when you lose. Ben, <laughs> that's the third question I got to ask you this morning. Even when you win, you lose, Ben. They got you by the balls. It's unbelievable. Gonzo, I'm going to kick it to you right after this. But, Ben, I wanted you to address what we've been talking about throughout the week. If we did get a settlement and we saw, you know, Bank of America came out, I think it was earlier last month, and said that after the lawsuit, they plan on leveraging RippleNet for on-demand liquidity. We made the leap to say that XRP could possibly be involved, obviously. But one of the things that we've been discussing is once one of these large banks starts using an XRP or an XLM or an Algorand for on-demand liquidity, anybody who's operating in the old system is going to be left behind. I'd love for you to speak to that because when an XRP, when this XRP lawsuit's over, everyone's anticipating a price run. We're going to need a catalyst. Is it going to be the big banks buying XRP? Is it going to be exchanges going out and buying XRP? What do you believe could cause that price bump? Well, I mean, certainly some of this stuff can be bought OTC in a way that doesn't really move the price. Um, you know, it, it's not like they're going to Binance to buy an XRP. You know what I mean? So, um, but yeah, uh, ODL is going to be really big. And this is one of the big like talking points that, um, you know, a lot of the XRP haters used to use, or they still do use because they're low IQ. Um, and it's stuff that I used to say, like people know there's clipping me talking trash about XRP. I didn't like XRP, but uh, I, I bought into all the memes and all the narratives. And, you know, but one thing that people hate about me, they cannot stand it, is that, I take in new information and I may change my opinion on something. That's mind blowing. Right. Um, yeah. Wow. And so one of these talking points used to be, well, you know, the banks can use the system, but they can't, they don't need XRP to settle. Well, during the the old ripple products, X, X via X rapid X current, that was actually true. Um, you did not need to run the, the POS in a sense, uh, of XRP or the ripple network to be able to settle. But the difference with on-demand liquidity is you do. And and uh, with RippleNet, you, you do. You have to have XRP. Uh, so all those talking points are dead. So I love talking to people that are like, well, they're centralized. They own all the nodes. Like, no, not even close. They own like, you know, 5% or something less than that, you know. Yeah. It's like these old talking points they want to go round and round about. Now, I, I don't know when it comes to this happening, like what the catalyst to move everything forward technically is going to be. I just think there's going to be a lot of positive momentum. I think there's a lot of banks that are sitting back there waiting to announce they're going to work with Ripple after this. So I think you're going to see a boom, 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 boom kind of scenario. And then, look, Ripple's already said they're doing, they're going public. Once this is settled, you know, the, the plans for them to go public will officially be made, maybe not a date. The the further into the bull run <coughs> it goes for them to become public, the better. Um, but uh, we'll just have to see how that works out. But ultimately, I do think, uh, I don't think we're going to need one specific catalyst, to be honest with you. I, I think there's going to be so much excitement around the fact that this is now regulated. It's not a security. Uh, it, it has clear boundaries and rules. It's going back on the exchanges. Banks waiting to sign off. It's just so much going on. Going public, uh, it's not going to need any one specific thing. It's it's going to be able to carry that momentum very quickly. And anybody who remembers the headlines in early 2020 knows that Ripple was preparing for an IPO. But Gonzo, I'm going to kick it to you. But before we do that, we got 367 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Ben Armstrong's in the building. But Gonzo, the floor is yours, my friend. Yeah, Ben, I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about your uh, your bill. Uh, if if you watched any of the kind of the hearings yesterday, you kind of got a sense that, you know, how uneducated congressmen uh-huh. are or, or congress is right you had like the the shit show of them making jokes about creepy dough currency you had the one guy who said that he didn't even understand any of it but then he took a shot about terrorism right and then of course brad sherman who i don't even think he asked a question i think he did a five minute of just grandstanding right but then you had the other extreme of congressman emmers who i think was very very eloquent and got kind of to the to the source of everything that it's not a blockchain issue. It was an SBF issue, not mm-hmm. a decentralization issue. Um, do you think that with everything that's happened with SBF, 
Do you think that Congress is going to be able to kind of get their shit together and pass some good legislation, kind of like your bill? I know you can't talk about it. I know you got funding. Yeah, we, 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 we almost can talk about it. We're, we're that right. close. So it's just a matter of a waiting game right now to get to get uh, our official uh, document. Um, what what number it's going to be registered under? So once we have that number, they give that to us. We should be able to talk about. We're very close. Look, I mean, our bill speaks to exactly what you just said, which is they don't know what they're talking about. And imagine um, if right now um, I were to uh, let's let's say let's say space mining. Okay, right now I'm going to regulate space mining. Uh, where people go out and they have these spaceships and they go to these asteroids and they land on them and they, they start drilling. Uh, I've been Armstrong today. I'm going to go come up with some regulation about that. You know what I know about that? Absolutely nothing. I, I know I read an article six years ago. Like that's what I know about it. I could not possibly come up with, uh, with good regulation around something that I don't understand. And yet that's what Congress does every single day. And it really is embarrassing to be honest with you. Um, when they talk about crypto because of how absolutely insane that they sound. What our bill does is it takes Congress out of it. It takes the SEC out of it. It puts people in charge who will be able to make those decisions. It's not a free-for-all. It's it's not like, uh, you know, all of a sudden overnight, we're going to have, um, you know, uh, Sam Bateman-Fried come in and give crypto regulation. It, it's not like that. W what it is, is it's going to be where we get a seat at the table where people in crypto have a voice. There are voices that will be able to push back against, you know, bad regulation. And the whole thing is, you know, people say like, oh, well, you know, every government body eventually becomes, um, you know, we don't want to create the next SEC. You know what I'm saying? Um, but yet we need something to help create the rules and the laws from people that understand it. And if there are, you know, people that <clears throat> not every person will be a crypto person that will be making these rules. But you need pushback from the other side, too. So it's just like checks and balances. Like if we had our say in crypto, uh, everything would be ruined right now because <laughs> we tried. We showed over the last year that we're not as smart as we thought we were. Right. With Celsius and Voyager and Terra Luna and UST and staking and, uh, you know, FTX, the whole thing. Like we would have just handed the keys of the kingdom over to these people, you know, and they all screwed us. So I think there is a certain amount of hesitation that needs to come that needs to push back against all the stuff in crypto that we want to do um, because we're too bullish. Sometimes, you know, we're, we're too trusting. We're too, ironically, we're, we're too willing to change the world overnight and it doesn't need to be changed overnight. It needs to be changed, but not overnight. Um, stuff like that usually backfires. So, um, you know, what we're trying to do is create something that speaks to that and allows people to come in and make the rules that know what they're talking about. Um, and, some ways for actually the community to play uh, a role into who these people are. They'll be helping make the rules. So uh, I, I can't wait till I can stop speaking in freaking code. I, I've hated it. It drives me insane. Cause you don't know, like I just, I, I think Congress needs to uh, read your book, man, uh, catching up to crypto. I think they should all get a copy of your book so they can really understand it. Yeah. I mean, I think you're dead on there. I mean, I, I've talked to California, California's talking about getting all their state, uh, all their state represents access to our BitLab Academy. Uh, so, I mean, we are we are going to be the education standard uh, when it comes to our academy. It's going to I know you all, you all have an academy. You all do a great job. We're pushing to scale like really big. We're, we're aiming to get in colleges, um, get in school systems, Ooh, uh, get, uh, get a, where we would be like basically the only accredited, uh, you know, blockchain uh, academy, I guess, uh, yeah. so to speak. Um, Y'all can put in a resume. That's, uh, after. That's a great idea, Ben. Nice. Yeah, well, we need, will we need put in a resume. Yeah, we need something to, to unify everything. So um, everything I heard, look. A lot of people know the 
this started between me and Sam because FTX tried to steal one of our political backers. We're bipartisan. We got big backers on both sides. Um, and they tr- he tried to steal one from me. And it pissed me off. Mm. And that's how we found out what they were doing with the bit license. And ultimately, this is what started the series of events that led to the whistleblower, um, you know, sending all that information to uh, Coindesk and, C- and CZ. So ultimately, we played a role in the very beginning of this. And during the three weeks where they sat on our bill, that's when he went to Senate and started, uh, you know, lobbying for the DCCPA and, and what he wanted in there. That was a direct reaction to looking at our bill and saying, oh, no, this is not good for us controlling everything. Mm. And they panicked. And that's exactly what happened. And um, you know, the ironic thing is, through him doing that, this is what ultimately has led everything he wanted to be off the table. And now it's set up perfectly uh, you know, for uh, you know, maybe I was playing chess the whole time. I wasn't. I would like to take claim for that, but great chess. Uh, you know, it's it's set up perfectly for us to come in. What what better billboard for decentralization than what we've just seen? Johnny yeah. Crypto, do you have a comment there? You know, there's a question that came out, and Ben, I don't know if you're able to answer this question yet, but uh, the fans want to know: are there any members of Congress on your bill or in the government? Is that something you're able to talk to or not? Yeah, well, so we've had several reach out to us and want okay. to be involved, and in, and we've sent it to several. Um, but in terms of like our actual team and the people behind it, um, basically the way it kind of works, I've learned all this, right? Like I'm I'm new to politics, I guess. Yeah. Um, I'm running for president next. So we'll see. <laughs> nice. <laughs> YouTuber to president, you know, God, the haters would be so. You mad. can walk up steps. You're qualified. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, hold on to my hand. Uh, yeah, I I think that. Uh, so when it comes to actual sitting senators and congressmen, that's not who our backers are because okay. like we have, we have lobbyists and people get paid for supporting stuff. And um, that's the way the political world works. I mean, it's $3.7 million to do our bill uh, start wow. to finish. And that's 50% off 50% wow. off because uh, we don't have a, a marketing budget because I am the marketing. So, yeah. so like we saved $3 million just by me writing the bill. Um, which has been really nice, but but I think ultimately, um, you know, what you find is is a lot of people that support these bills and stuff. They're, um, you know, that they're people that are if kind of like they're not necessarily sitting right now, and that'll make a lot more sense to people when it comes out. Um, but we have we have a few different routes. That our main route was going to be the DCCPA, and we were going to move in as an amendment. Well, I'm here now. It's about only thirty percent that's going to pass. It was a hundred percent until Sam touched it. And now it's only 30% chance to pass it all in any form. Um, so there may be another bill coming. Um, and maybe we go to an amendment of that one. We also have executive uh, order routes um, that that okay. we've been pursuing that fail safe. We may have to end up doing if it doesn't, if it doesn't work, but we have some back channels to that. So we've got, we have big players in this and people are going to realize like, this is not, you know, it's not some little rinky dink bill. The bit boy wrote it, you know, in the middle of a show, you know, no, we're, we're, we're coming to change things and it's really exciting. Well, Ben, there's a lot of things I want to talk to you about before we go. So let's go a little bit rapid fire around here because one of the topics everyone's been addressing over the past couple of weeks, believe it or not, Gary Gensler has come and taken center stage. And we had this uh, this article come out yesterday about Fox News revealing that his private schedule and his public schedule were drastically different. He had private meetings with George Soros, Hillary Clinton, and Nancy Pelosi. But those are just some of the fan favorites. I'm sure that if we were more educated, we could identify more players in this space. But this is what the, we've been talking about when it comes to regulation. Players like George Soros, Hillary Clinton, and Nancy Pelosi are telling these officials what they should be doing behind the scenes, and I'm sure that you can speak more to that. What is the battle you believe that we are fighting right now when it comes to Gary Gensler? You previously stated that you believe he's going to be removed. Why do you believe that to be the case? Uh, the tide has turned on him. The, the, the tide has turned. Uh, his Look, 
a lot of people I, I've talked a lot about Maxine Waters in the last couple of weeks and I've defended her to the hilt, right? I'm not a Maxine Waters fan politically. I'm, I'm not on that side at all. Like I know some things that she said in the past that people disagree with. And I was just as upset as other people are, but something happened. Um, that's made this so much different than anything else I've ever seen. Uh, a lot of people say, Oh, well, this goes up to the Clintons. I, I love talking about this. Right. Cause like, uh, you know, the Clintons are the name you say, you, you know, you, you don't come back from, right. Clintons were not involved in this, guys. <laughs> okay. There you go. Please don't kill me. Uh, but in all seriousness, uh, they're not. The Clintons are not involved in this. Well, how do you know? How do you know that the most powerful people in the world, some of them, are not involved in this? Because it blew up overnight. It became a disaster. There are so many politicians having to clean up behind themselves from these political donations and contributions that was stolen user money. This is a big, this is going to be a dramatic series of events people are going to watch it's, this is not over this month this is going to be years guys people have to understand the, the repercussions of the fact that politics are so heavily involved in this and now you have the house led by the uh the the house reform oversight committee is going to be led by the republicans wait january 6 hearings russian collusion what do you think the next one is guys well, let's do some math here it's gonna be all next year in the news they're gonna have hearings on this all year it's gonna be absolutely insane that was not meant to happen. If, if if the smartest political people in the world were behind this, that wouldn't have happened. This has been extremely sloppy. If, when, once people realize the type of evidence that we're sitting on, which we gave to Maxine Waters, by the way, um, people are going to realize that, uh, oh, these are not smart people. They're just freaking mafia people that thought they could bully everybody. They're idiots. The, the stuff they admitted on video insane like it's unbelievable so maxine waters people were saying like oh she's being so nice to him and she took pictures with yeah you think right she took pictures with him because she didn't know it was a scam nobody did like yeah everybody understands political uh, political contributions are lobbying right they are technically if you want to get technical in a sense bribing you're paying someone money and saying like hey i'm gonna give you some money hey here's kind of what i like here's what i like so you know not legal, not not illegal bribery, but in a sense, that's what you're doing. You're paying to play. And so all the politicians understand this. There's tons of pictures of Maxine Waters with Sam. Do you know how pissed she is about that? Like, she's very angry. She's very angry about this. And you, you couldn't tell yesterday. She has been in an F around and uh, find out mode here for a little bit. And I, I think that, uh, you know, what people have to understand is Gary Gensler is the same way now. Gary Gensler is toxic. He met with Sam for six months. The same way these politicians are embarrassed. Do they took pictures with Sam, their lead regulator? They're not embarrassed by him. The Senate's already turned. The Senate has been turned on him for about four or five months now. Congress is now starting to get on board with this. And you're there's no way. I, I don't think there's any way he survives this. What do you think the next round of these hearings are going to be about, guys? Did you not Did you not see the setup yesterday? The it was a setup, which was. It's going to be the SEC and the meetings and uh, what went on as far as uh, SBF's bill, as far as giving more power to SEC while SBF monopolized through the Fed federal bit license, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Sure. That, that, that's exactly what it's going to be about. And it's going to be about the, the flow of money. Uh, how how did Gary Gisler not know? How did he give him a pass? How was he meeting with him for six months right under his nose? Well, people are going to realize because they're working together. They're working together on all this. And now they're trying to backtrack. Oh, you know, SEC charging him. You got to be kidding me. It, it took it took it before him to get arrested. Yeah, he got his hand in the cookie jar. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to slap him upside his bald head.
<laughs> well, you know, another person who may need slapping upside their bald head is Kevin O'Leary. And Kevin O'Leary is somebody who went down with the FTX collapse. Ben, I'd love to get some of your thoughts, not on the individual Kevin, but the statements that he's making here is he says Binance is now a massive unregulated monopoly. And there's tons of red flags around Binance. If you listen to the mainstream media, I'd love to get some of your thoughts. What do you believe about Binance and CZ? Oh, God. Binance put FTX out of business. Shut up. This guy, this guy is such a crooked fraud. And he's been exposed. He's been exposed, by the way. There is, everyone in crypto knows now. And I told him. I told him. I tweeted him. I said, I'm going to expose you. You, you. you done messed up coming at me. And you know what? From that day on, nobody's thought of him the same. And no one will ever think of him the same. And he keeps trying to tie his, his, uh, his, his wagon to traditional finance. Like, that's what he's trying to hitch his wagon to. It's like, no, this is the way it works in the business world, guys. This is the way it works in the traditional finance world. Blah, 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 blah. No, 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 Kevin. This is crypto. This is not the way it works here. And you're seeing the reaction to you now is our rejection of you, is our rejection of the ideas of traditional finance. You can try to start and repeat this as many times as you want. It's not happening again. The, the days of FTX ruling everything, they're over. And there's going to be no role that Kevin O'Leary plays in this except to be a, a laughingstock in the footnote of history. That's all this guy is. And so what What the, about Binance? This is so the, the Binance, anti-Binance people are so dumb. Like, number one, yes, you're right. It is not It is not a, uh, a regulated um, entity right now in the United States. Because guess what? It doesn't have U.S. users. It doesn't have to be. Duh. Like, what, well, what is the problem here? What's that? That's the end of the conversation right there. That's it. Like, yeah, you're right. Not right. SEC, you got no business over in Binance. And, and you know what the truth is? The truth is that Binance has played ball with the SEC before. And so the fact is they came, the SEC went to Binance and said in 2019 said, hey, you got to remove U.S. users from your site. You know what they did? Next day, send out an email. Hey, U.S. users, you have six months to take all your money off. Boom. They did it. They did exactly what they asked them to do, and now they're out of their hair. And, and that's one reason why I don't think we're going to see Binance really trying to get more involved with, uh, you know, American crypto companies over here. Like, they were never going to buy FTX. Like, I said the day that all this happened, within an hour of Binance saying, you see, saying we're going to look at it, 0% chance this happens. Because I know this stuff on the back end. There's no company that would take on what they were dealing with. And now that's very clear. CZ knew that, and he did want to take a peek at the books, I'm sure. It, but um, And CZ had a lot of the same information that we had, so I know that he knew that going into it. But they don't want to get involved over here. Why would you? Why would you want to get involved in a place where, uh, you know, the regulation is so unclear and your your main regulator doesn't do his job? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, so Kevin O'Leary is, is coming at – if you guys don't understand what's happening here with Kevin O'Leary, it's very important. It's a very important uh, conversation. He's trying to position a way – for someone to come in and fill the gap that FTX has left. He doesn't want it to be Binance. He wants it to be something he's involved with. And, you know, if you look at all of the companies that WonderFi, you know, his, his uh, fund has put money into, you really Almeida. start. Right. They put, exactly. They like, they were of, yeah. They're one of the last uh, people to keep giving them money like a bunch of idiots. So he's, look, I think Kevin O'Leary's net worth may be tied into this a whole lot more than people realize. I think that could be why he's fighting so hard for this. It's because he knows if he doesn't, if his little, uh, you know, bit fury exchange in Canada or whatever, if it doesn't rise up and or we don't have something he's involved in that comes and takes this place, this fills this void, he may be bankrupt. I, I don't know. I mean, I haven't seen his books, but something's fishy. Is it not? I mean, to see him still continuing to hold on to this narrative where, uh, 
less than 4% of people agree with him. That doesn't make any sense. It's weird. New York Times does. They're one of the 4%, but whatever. Thank you so much, Ben. And we got 497 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Ben, while we still got you here, I got to have you address one more thing. Tether has been the center of conversation throughout the week. And because of what Coinbase did, making the Tether to USDC swaps free. Now, when we look behind the scenes, we know that BlackRock and Coinbase work together in developing USDC. So I'd love to hear some of your thoughts about the Tether versus USDC stablecoin. What the heck is going on there? And could Tether be the final black swan for 2022-2023? No, I don't think we're getting another black swan. That, that's the thing about a black swan. You can't think you're getting one. <laughs> because if you think you're getting one, then it's not a black swan. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, look, this Tether stuff, just like the Binance stuff, uh, Tether is uh, it's way overblown, the problems with it. But I, I want to say the same thing about Binance. It, it, I'll say about Tether, which is they, they both started sketchy. They both had problems in the beginning. They, they both did some stuff that they shouldn't have done. I, I think if, if you were to look back in the history of both these companies, people would say like, oh, yeah, that they almost did what FTX did in a sense. But at this point, they're too big to fail. And I think they have way – I actually think they have way more money than they say they have. I think they have more, not less. I think there's a ton of yachts sitting around the world and real estate around the world uh, that if Tether needed to liquidate, they could. And, uh, you know, I don't know how they would get those on the books, but they're unaudited, so I guess they can. And what, why is this? Why is it that these companies had to start out so sketchy? Mm. It's called shadow banking. Uh, you see it in the cannabis industry where banks won't work with you if you grow weed, even if you're doing it legally. They, they don't want that kind of money on their books. So what do you have to do? Oh, you have to go offshore to the Caribbean or to the the Seychelles or uh, I hope I said that right Aruba wherever you're Bermuda Bahamas, and you got to get banking partners there because they kind of look the other way a little bit more, and they actually allow you to operate as a business. That's why there's so much sketchy stuff in the history um, of these uh, of these companies, and they're not the only ones. Bitfinex, which kind of is Tether, but there, there's other ones that that fit that. Huobi, OKX, they all got super sketchy stuff in their past. Where are they at today? That's what's important. If there was a bank run on Tether today and everybody came and tried to get their Tether rants out, which it's a catch-22 problem. No one would actually, there'd be no reason to do that if you thought it would crash the market. Um, if that happened, I believe they have tons of assets in other places and they could liquidate it and they could fill it. And I don't think it would be a problem. I think it's a very sketchy past. But, uh, you know, the real interesting conversation is USDC versus USDT um, because USDC will become the digital dollar. Uh, they're already working uh, in Europe as well to become the digital euro. That's coming. I've been telling people that for two years. Nobody wanted to listen. Now it's becoming <laughs> obvious, right? Um, the Coinbase, they're going to, it's not just Coinbase. In the United States, we are going to see a big push to remove Tether using the same narrative. It's so crazy how people just buy into these narratives and they're like, oh, Tether's bad. Go, go as the mainstream finance people. They're like, oh, Tether's a ticking bot, time bomb. You know nothing about Tether. You, you know, literally nothing about tether and you're out here making vid videos with millions of views nobody has a clue about anything it's a narrative that coinbase wants you to have they want you to be thinking it's going to crash because they're eventually going to use that to ban usdt from being traded in america because it sets up for usdc to be the digital dollar you guys see the bigger moves at play here that's fascinating ben johnny crypto last question floor is yours my friend actually that was my question you could see this big battle between binance who's back in USDT and Coinbase back in USDC. And I wanted your perspective, but you were, you literally called it out. So USDC so ben, coming. Last question of the day. A lot of questions have been asked about your fitness journey and what's taking place over the last couple of months. You posted this picture looking pretty jacked up in the gym. I got to ask you, number one, are you natural? And two, what decided to get you in shape? What made you start your fitness journey? 
Well, I, number one, okay. Um, uh, we'll, answer, we'll answer the second question first. Uh, yeah, what made me get in shape is uh, the haters, you know? Like, honestly, like, really, like, I got tired of people coming in my chat saying I'm fat. It pissed me off. And, uh, you know, like, do you not understand how hard I work? Or, like, I've been going to the gym every day for years. It's just, you know, eating rides a little bit harder and stuff like that. So I do think it is, uh, it is uh, very important that people get on a fitness journey. And then, you know, you don't have to lose a ton of weight and look, you know, uh, like a Greek god, like I do, to feel good about yourself, you know? Uh, that's the first gym selfie I've ever taken, by the way, in my life. The very first one, there was no positioning. I just took the picture, okay? Um, the, the first question, am I all natural? I mean, look, everything I do, I do over the top, okay? That's what I'll say. So, uh, look, <laughs> we're, we're right there. We, I think we just got our answer. Here, okay? you, you don't want to catch me at night in a dark alley. That's what I'll tell you. So, Ben Armstrong, a.k.a. The Liver King, thank you for making time. For this. It's been a super fun episode. I always thank enjoy you. when you join the show, but it's 1130. Thanks, so Ben. Right, thank you so you much, Ben. Look forward to talking soon. Awesome, guys. All right, and we're going to keep this show rocking and rolling, Johnny Crypto, because we got a bunch of news prepared for our days. Besides Ben's fitness journey, we got an interesting article about the Ripple versus SEC lawsuit. But honestly, let's address this Algorand news first, as Algorand got some groundbreaking news yesterday, announcing that the Bank of Italy was going to be using Algorand to support bank and insurance guarantees on the platform. So this is humongous for the entire uh, European nation. Layer 1 blockchain platform Algorand has been chosen to support an initiative of digital guarantees platform to be used in Italy's banking and issuance markets as early as early 2023. Algorand said that its blockchain technology was ideally suited for digital securities, or sorry, digital sureties as the platform because of its fast, efficient, low cost and scalable transactions, as well as its ability to provide protection against fraud. So Johnny Crypto Great news for the Algorand community, but of course for the Italians, what does this news mean to you? Everybody was anticipating some price action during the bull run, or sorry, during the FIFA World Cup because um, Algorand is partnered with FIFA. That didn't take place, but what do you think about this news? Well, I just think, you know, that's the thing. Everybody thinks you get one big news, you know, one big new thing, and hey, everybody goes crazy. You know, in a beer, in a bull market, that might happen. You know, news like this will drive things, and you'll get this real excitement. In a beer, in a beer market, as you see, you don't, you don't get much of a pop. Because, you know, nobody's paying attention. Nobody cares right now. Nobody, nobody's a believer. But the reality is behind the scenes, what I care about, because I'm an algo, full disclosure, I'm an algo holder, uh, hodler, is um, I want to see these use cases. I know that more and more use cases leads to ultimately a, a higher chance of adoption. And that's ultimately what you want to see in the long run. Some of these is cryptocurrencies and technology is going to be here to stay for the long run. The ones <laughs> that are gaining traction right now are the ones that are most likely going to be here, or at least putting themselves in a position to be here in the long term. And that's why, for me, news like this is exciting. You know, I want to continue to see adoption in some of these technologies. We know there's going to be a lot of coexistence of different blockchain technologies. And to me, Algo is one of those that fundamentally has great benefits and makes sense that we only see, you know, them gaining more ground there. So good for them and good for Italy. Gonzo, more positive news for Algorand is earlier this September, they upgraded their Layer 1 protocols, now announcing that the upgrade would allow Algorand to process up to 6,000 transactions per second. And this is one of the reasons Bank of Italy decided to use this blockchain for settlement. People call you the Ethereum expert within our group, Gonzo. How do you feel about this Algorand? No, like, you know, Johnny says, I, I'm invested in Algorand. Um, you know, like he said, like we're, we're in the middle of a, uh, or we're, what, we're 400 days into a bear market, right? And so, so congratulations to you guys for surviving 400 days in a bear market. And, um, you know, that's why we didn't get any price movement. You know, the whole FIFA thing ended up being by the rumors, um, sell the news. 
because you know we got some positive price action and once fifa started it kind of just started coming down to where we're at right now at 21 22 cents but yeah like johnny's right this is exactly what you need to be at least this is what i'm doing this is my investment thesis i'm looking for projects that have real utility and that are building in the bear market right because that's what these projects that are going to survive and do well in the next bull run and i think algorand is one of them right when, uh, when you look at the team when you look at the creator um um, this is the kind of thing that you want to look for. So yeah, I'm super bullish on algo. Um, and the fact that it's just 22 cents to me is, is just a steal. Great news. And Johnny, I'm not sure if you had a comment there. If not, we're about to play a very interesting Michael Saylor clip identifying Ethereum as an unregistered security. Yeah, let's roll it. Let's roll that videotape. Beautiful. Here we go, guys. He is targeting Ripple. And by the way, this is coming from a guy that owns uh, Ethereum, not Ripple. Yeah, I think I think the best thing for the world would be with the, if the SEC pretty much shut down all of it. It's all unethical, right? I mean, the, the Bitcoin position would be Bitcoin is an ethical commodity. All of these other altcoins are unregistered securities. They're all just equity tokens issued by a company in order to get around going public. And they're committing securities fraud. Ethereum all included. Of course. At least we'll give them credit for being consistent throughout the entire market, Johnny Crypto. But we got 459 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Ben Armstrong was in the building. We got plenty of answers from our friend. But Johnny Crypto, how do you feel about Michael Saylor stating all cryptos besides Bitcoin are unregistered securities? You know, listen, we all know at the end of the day that that Saylor is a, a Bitcoin maximalist, right? So there's no surprise there for him to feel that that while Bitcoin is, is, um, you know, in, in all fairness, Bitcoin, you know, was not a security. It was put out there as something that's done primarily through a decentralized position. No, no single entity gain, no promise of a gain. So, so that was done right. And some of the other, um, you know, in the majority of the cryptocurrencies, he's right. A lot of them were put out there to generate income to then use to build a business and that is literally the definition of, of a security. Now, I think where he's wrong is in the case of XRP. We know that's not the case. XRP, already, a Ripple, that's not the case of Ripple. They already had the technology. They had already created and developed it. And the XRP is to drive the technology. It's an open code source standard that's out there in a digital asset, of course, that can be adopted. Ripple doesn't even control it, right? It can be... Um, they can't even retrieve your money if, if something gets lost. They don't. They don't own it to that extent like people do. So I'm not so sure he's correct on all of them, but probably a big basket of them he's right that a lot of those you know cryptocurrencies were launched as a security. So so I get it, and he's just not going to sit there and talk about each individual one. Um, so he just bucketed them all in one, and I get it. Being a big Bitcoin maximalist, I can understand why he's coming from that position. I don't agree with him, but I can understand it. Thank you so much, Johnny. And we got a fascinating article prepared for our listeners as this last article is stating that 2023 could be a bad year for stocks, but a good year for cryptocurrency. But before we do that, I'd love to show our listeners the smartest way to track your cryptocurrency. And it was done by the man, the myth, the legend himself. So let that ad play, my friend. Have you gotten wrecked in the crypto market space or watched your crypto portfolio go all the way up and then all the way down without taking profits? If so, it's probably because you didn't have an exit plan. The good news is that doesn't need to happen anymore thanks to a new and innovative crypto tracker called Merlin. It's the smartest way to track your crypto. Merlin brings all your coins into one place so you can see all your assets across the different exchanges on one screen. You can see your total portfolio value and more importantly, your daily gains, losses, and totals since inception. Merlin puts the power back in your hands so you no longer have to guess what your portfolio is doing on a daily or monthly basis. 
Most importantly, Merlin lets you create an exit plan and sends you notifications when your targets are reached so you no longer have to get wrecked in the marketplace. Go to MerlinCrypto.com, that's MerlinCrypto.com, and sign up for early access for our free 30-day trial and get on the wait list so you can receive an email when the product is launched this fall. Don't miss out on this new and innovative app, Merlin. It's the smartest way to track your crypto. Johnny Crypto, and we've got a bunch of great news prepared for our listeners. And I think the most important news that you're going to think is exciting is Coinbase has officially announced they are supporting the Flare airdrop. And this is great news because there was so much uncertainty about whether Coinbase would actually participate. We know that when the Songbird airdrop took place in September, Coinbase decided to withhold user funds and never distributed those tokens. They didn't give an exact date, but they said sometime in the first two quarters of 2023, Flare tokens will be distributed on Coinbase. So very exciting news. What does it mean to you, Johnny? Yeah, you know, <laughs> you guys know where I stand on Flare. Yeah, someday you, you may, we may see those coin drops. Um, but I, I think it's smart. Coinbase probably doesn't want any more backlash. Could you imagine? Like, everybody's been talking about Flare, right, in XRP. Everybody knows about this one. Like, you guys have all been waiting for this for over two years to get this drop, right? Could you imagine if Coinbase came out and said they weren't going to give it? Do you want to talk about the XRP army giving backlash to Charles? Could you imagine what Coinbase would suffer? They're like, no, we don't want no moss. We don't want no part of that. So I'm not surprised at all to hear them um, be supporting it. In fact, I'll be surprised if any exchange goes out there and decides not to support it because the backlash is going to be brutal from the XRP army because everybody knows the XRP army <laughs> is freaking nasty. They will come after you, man. They are brutal. And I mean that in a good way. Yeah, I think that if we didn't, um, if we didn't have what would happen with FTX and SBF, maybe they would have been a little bit more prone to maybe hold on to it or not really care. But with all the negative publicity with exchanges and all the mass exodus that's happened, um, I, I don't think people are going to have issues getting their airdrops. They're trying to keep the customers that they have and trying to bring other customers. Um, but if I could go back to the previous story with, with Michael Saylor and, and, you know, Bitcoin maxis, you know, they're incentivized um, to be that way. They're incentivized to support Gary Gensler or to say that everything's a security um, because, you know, they hold Bitcoin. But what I don't get is I just don't like the toxic attitude, right? Because there's, I, I understand what Bitcoin is and what it does. And I, and I do think it has its place. But I also understand what Ethereum is and what it does and that it has its place. The same thing with XRP. For some people, it's Solana. For me, it's Matic, right? There are a lot of these different technologies. And, you know, we just have to be careful to not close our minds off um, and get real, like, um, not territorial, but to get in that closed-minded mindset that I'm the only one or this is the only one or that, you know, the XRP is the only one, right? Because if you watch the Jeremy Hogan video, you know, he had those breakdown of the different options. And, you know, while I think that uh, Ripple's going to win the case, you should have a plan if they don't, right? Uh, because there is a chance, like, it, this is all human behavior. It's all up to human beings. What if Judge Torres doesn't want to make that call? And I thought that one call that he made was very intriguing where, what if she decides that this is too big for her to make and they basically lose so she can kick it to the appellate court so that the appellate court can make that decision because they're kind of made to do those kind of things. It's a possibility. I don't and think they it's like can down the road even further gone. So it's so disappointing. Exactly. Right. And so you need to be prepared for those kind of things and not have a closed mind. That's it. 
Yeah, I agree with you 100% there. You know, a lot of these judges, th this is a big case. There's a lot of eyes on this thing. And sometimes it's a lot easier for them to kick it down the can, you know, kick it down, the, kick the can down the street than to make the ruling themselves. So it'll be interesting to see where this thing goes. Like I said, I'm praying for a settlement because the settlement means we don't have to go through any of the bullshit, crap, pain of all the appeals and, and, and secondary appeals and counter appeals. And the thing drags on for another freaking two years, right? I hope we get the settlement. And we can put some, and it's going to be good for the industry because we'll get a little regulation clarity, you know, for people who have followed the same exact, you know, who have the same exact circumstantial facts that this particular case has, then you'll have a ruling and precedent set. Uh, well, not precedent, not a ruling, but you'll have a settlement that, yeah, that may be considered, you know, a potential solution. So let's hope that happens and we don't end up in, in a, in a situation where they went out right. And then we get appeal after appeal after appeal, because then who knows how long this is going to drag on and Gonzo. So uh, no, you're right. I, I think I, I'm worried she may kick it down, kick the can down, but let's hope that doesn't happen. Thank you so much, Johnny. And let's get into our last story for today. And this one, it's pretty interesting. As Sam Bankman-Fried's attorney asked the judge for permission to allow his client to take prescription medication during court yesterday. Bankman-Fried told the judge that his medication was in his possession when he was arrested, but he had not had access to it since Monday. He said, I don't need water, but I do need to take my shirt off in order to take my medication, said Sam Bankman-Fried to the, to the judge, which is, I think, a joke. The judge said before allowing him to leave the room several minutes before taking his medication, what's important to note is that Bankman-Fried was uncharacteristically jittery before his medication. When he returned to the courtroom, he no longer had those jitters. Johnny, we covered an article last week talking about how the medication he was possibly taking was this NSAM drug. And this drug is something that they were calling a limitless pill. So it allows you to focus. It kind of changes your personality. Wouldn't be surprised if that's what he was taking in the courtroom here. But what do you think about this news? Because I'm not really sure how I feel. I, I think that the judge would actually need antidepressant medicine if she got to see what Sam Frank Freeman looked like naked or without a shirt on. Her. <laughs> she wanted to see that. I wouldn't want to see that either. She's like, no, you're not taking this guy in my court. <laughs> Uh, hey, could you imagine that? You know, there's certain things, Abs, you just can't unsee. And that is one of those things. You know, we know already where he lives on here. You know, let me put him where, let me put him where. Bang, he broke the scale. You know, he's already down here. And, you know, maybe she didn't want to see a half-naked rat snake weasel. I don't blame her. I don't think I'd want to see that either. But I, I just find it amazing that he even <laughs> had the boss to ask or request that in court. I'm like, I'm wondering what kind of courts they have out there. Like, I don't even think you'd even have the court. I don't think anybody would even ask that in a U.S. court, but it makes me wonder how serious these courts really are if you want to know the truth. Yeah, you know, uh, it's a transdermal patch. That's why he didn't take his shirt off. Um, I think what was really wild is the way his parents were behaving. Like the mom was uh, laughing at times. The dad was putting his fingers in his ears, um, like not to hear what was happening. Uh, when they called him uh, a fugitive. And now I, I get it. I can't imagine like if that was my kid and maybe some of that is laughter, but it's just like a surreal thing. I think the other important thing from the article is that you can see that he's going to fight the extradition. Right. Um, and, you know, we'll see how this thing plays out. I, I, I think that they're going to extradite him. But the other real crazy thing is that um, there's only one jail in the Bahamas. And from what I hear, it's a pretty rough place. And so they denied his bail. And so it'll be interesting. Like, do they put him in protective custody? Where are they going to put him? Like, what if something ends up happening to him? Like, that's how you know. And I'm not trying to, you know, wish the guy any ill will. But if something happens to him, then you know that he knew more than 
than um, than he should have, right? If he makes it to extradition, then I guess he's just the patsy, and 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 he didn't a lot of it. He didn't have a lot of information on who was behind the scenes and all this. So that that's really wild. We'll see how that um, plays out. Um, I I think that AOC yesterday in the hearings brought up a good point about the timing of his arrest. Um, because he was supposed to talk to Congress or he's supposed to testify to Congress. And all of a sudden they arrested him. She brought up the connection points as far as um, the deal he made with the Bahamian attorney general, letting the Bahamian residents pull out their assets for 24 hours. So he was trying to get favor from them for a reason. So we'll see how this whole thing plays out as far as the extradition and, and him being in jail. Yeah, I think you're you're 100% right. There's a lot of shady stuff going on. Money spent everywhere, favors spent everywhere, trying to put himself in a better position. Um, we'll see, you know. So you're thinking he might get Epstein in the Bahamas. Uh, it sounds like God's over. Uh, I actually, in, in the article. Who knows, I, dude? Who knows? In the article I read, and maybe I read it wrong, but I thought I read, in, maybe you could bring that article back up again. I thought he said he wasn't going to, fight extradition and he, he wasn't going to oppose it. Did I, did I misread that? I'm pretty sure he said, he, he said he yes, will not waive his right. Which oh, he will not said. waive his right. Okay. Yeah. I, he I will not waive it. his right, which means if he wanted to waive his right to oh, fight yeah, extradition, right. then he gets, I misread it. But yeah, yeah, not, yeah. yeah. So you're right. He is going to fight it. And the reality is think about this, right? So he was about ready to go in front of Congress under oath, which means anything he said would have been used against him. The Republicans were going to drill him like an oil well deep in freaking Texas that's sitting on a ton of oil. That drill was going to go so deep, right? And all of a sudden, the reality is he literally got, you know, a lot of people saying he got saved by this because now he doesn't have to come here. He's not on U.S. soil. He can't get, because um, like you said, you know, if he was on U.S. soil, they probably would have stuck the cuffs on him after the hearing, <laughs> probably. But um, now, now the Republicans lost a chance to really, really drill deep to, to get get, you know, get some to get to the bottom of this and probably expose people who are connected to him. So it's no surprise to me on the timeliness of this, that all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, he's not coming now. And he's sitting in, you know, some Bahamian jail somewhere. Now the question is how long is that going to happen? If he fights the extradition and he wins it, then you know what? No justice will ever happen. And he got to escape Congress. So don't be surprised if that's the outcome. Like I said yesterday, just cause he got arrested doesn't mean he's going to jail. Thank you, Johnny Crypto. And we're going to close this episode out the same way we always do by saying thank you to each one of our special guests. Thank you to Super G. Thank you to Johnny Crypto. And thank you to BitBoy Crypto himself. We got 429 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button tomorrow. It's my birthday, so it's going to be an unorthodox show. I don't know if we're going to make the live stream or not, but we'll keep you guys updated. We'll see you guys in 23 hours. And like we always say, Warriors, rise. Get the shit together, baby. Thank you for joining us. Let's go. Let's go. And by the way, Abs, if I don't see you, have a happy, happy birthday. Happy birthday, Abs. Thanks. Love you guys.